Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm so glad that you're spending time with us here today. On today's show, we chat with Chris Van Dyne of Phil Steele Publications as we talk about the Duke football season so far, numbers that really describe the story of David Cutcliffe's bunch this year and what to expect from Duke in the final four games of the season. Locked On Blue Devils is a daily podcast where we talk about all things in the world of Duke athletics. I'm so grateful that you make us your first listen each and every day. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Any questions that you have, send them to us on Twitter again at LO underscore Blue Devils or send an email LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com and I answer all of your questions in the Mailbag Monday edition of this program that we do every few weeks. So again, any questions that you may have, send them to us so we can answer those here on Locked On Blue Devils. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Chris Van Dyne joins the show right here on Locked On Blue Devils. This episode of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place for teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on the long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I love McDonald's so much, I could proudly say I spent one year in high school working at McDonald's. Make sure you go by and check out your local McDonald's. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there, proudly sponsoring the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Welcome back into the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. I am so excited to bring on a good friend of mine, Chris Van Dyne from Feel Steel Publications, kind enough to join us on the program once again. He and uh, Phil were both on the program before the football season got started, so I'm looking forward to catching up and checking back in with Chris here on today's show. How are you, Chris? I'm great. It's been a wild football season, like we talked about earlier, and I've had a lot of fun this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, going to be interesting to see how the first playoff rankings come out, and you know who who knows what's in store next. Yeah, we've got uh, four weeks left in the year, right before we get into those bowl games, postseason play, and that sort of thing, and. Obviously, talking all things Duke here on Locked On Blue Devils and enjoyed having you guys on for the season preview a little bit earlier before the year got going. Now we know more about this Duke football team. Eight games into the season, after going 3-1 and one in non-conference play, they've really struggled in ACC competition. What has stood out to you about David Cutcliffe's team? Uh, it, what stood out to me is the struggles on the road. Uh, you know, they had the nice start. They were 3-1. and one. The, the win against Northwestern, they got way ahead, but, you know, they they let them come back, only ended up winning by seven. But it was a good win, but it has been a pretty bad Northwestern team. They beat a bad Kansas team, a lot of points in that game. But the last four games have been kind of alarming, uh, in particular the last three road games against ACC teams where 
if you bet the over in those games, you're not very happy with Duke right now because they've combined for 14 points. They've been giving up a lot of points in those games, but just 14 points in their th- in, in their three ACC road games, really not cutting it on offense. And it's a shame because they have one of the best running backs in the ACC. I think the teams probably have started to scout Mateo Durant a little bit differently, and his production has obviously gone down because of it. Quarterback was another position, Chris, that we talked about a lot going into the season, given how bad Chase Bryce played a year ago for Duke. Your assessment of Gunnar Holmberg through the first eight games? Um, pretty pedestrian so far. You know, he, he looked good early again. He had a really nice game against Northwestern and Kansas, but both defenses have proven to be pretty bad, even for a Pat Fitzgerald defense, which I actually – that game was probably the game I came away most impressed because he did throw for over 300 yards against what's normally a good Northwestern defense, but it hasn't worked out like that. And, you know, last week against the Wake Forest defense that's uh, pretty leaky at times, only 110 yards, 10 of 18 passing. It, they, they've proven they can't really rely on Holmberg. I think their their wide receivers are okay. I know Jalen Calhoun had a couple hundred yard games earlier this year. Jake Bobo topped a hundred in a couple games. Um, so I don't really think wide receivers so much of the issue. I, I think the issue really is a quarterback. Um, and uh, you know the offensive line hasn't played terrible. They've been they've been okay. They've given up fourteen sacks, but you know only four in the last three games. So they're protecting him, but again not able to get the get the job done through the quarterback position. It feels like they can never find the perfect formula, right? When when Gunner's playing well, wide receivers aren't getting separation. Maybe the offensive line is kind of struggling. They just haven't found that perfect formula going into the year. And it is fair to be a little critical of Gunnar Holmberg so far this season. Just in the back of, of Duke fans' minds, Chris, as you well know, at least it's not the Chase Bryce level bad that we saw a year ago. No, but I think what is alarming is you see Chase Bryce go to App State and he's played pretty well. Terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's both frustrating for Duke fans and kind of alarming that a guy can leave like that and go from an, a turnover machine to playing uh quality winning football. And you know, you, you mentioned Durant. Um they they really and I think back to that North Carolina game because I watched a lot of that North Carolina game. Yeah. And it made North Carolina made it very obvious that they were going to stack the box, bring a safety up, stop Mateo Durant from beating him, and it worked because the uh, you know the book is really out on how to beat Duke's offense, and they're struggling because of it. And even still, Mateo Durant is is getting his in a lot of ways compared to what yep. Duke running backs have have had in the past. Twenty seven yards shy of the thousand yard mark, which would be. Uh, the first for Duke in quite some time, getting somebody in that department. All right, so that's the offensive side of things. Let's get down to a little bit more of the nitty-gritty. We mentioned the offense really struggling on the road. Well, the defense has also been allowing a lot of points. How do you assess the play of the Blue Devil defense? Um, getting getting worse, actually. It, you know, beginning of the year, again, the, the 478 they gave up 31 points against Charlotte was – Kind of alarming in that opener, but it was on the road, so I, I thought that you know that they'll they'll get some things figured out. First but game these of the season, games, trying to figure out, yeah, yeah. These last few games that they've they've really had a tough time. I thought they played fairly well against North Carolina. They gave up 456 yards, but I thought the offense put them in some tough positions at times, uh, especially you know when they couldn't capitalize early in the game when they had some chances to score. 
the, you know, they did hold North Carolina to 456 yards that game. They did a good job on, uh, against the ground. Back-to-back games against North Carolina and Georgia Tech, they gave up 135 and 143, but they held both of those teams under four yards of carry. But the last two games, you can tell the defense is wearing down, in particular the pass defense, really struggling. They've given up 348 yards passing per game the last four games. You know, and the other problem is, uh, and we talked about it before the season, Duke was, I believe, the only ACC team that did not have their starting quarterback returning this year. Now, a couple teams lost their starter due to injuries, but uh, they've had to run into some really good quarterback play. If you look last week, Sam Hartman's playing uh, you know, top-of-the-line football right now. They throw for 4-11 against Duke. Uh, you play Virginia. Brennan Armstrong has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He throws for 364. Uh, you did a decent job against Sam Howell. You, th- you held him to 321, which isn't great, but – I mean, Sam Howell can really go off if you let him. Um, It's really been a a struggle for Duke's pass defense, and I I just don't know that it's going to get any better because you're facing Kenny Pickett this week. In a couple weeks, uh, you get Louisville with Malik Cunningham, who's a dual threat, and then Tyler Tyler Van Dyke for Miami is uh, really hitting his stride. The kid's got a lot of moxie. I like him a lot. Yeah, he does. You're right about that. So uh, looking at this Duke team, obviously the struggles have been on the road coming back home this weekend to take on Pittsburgh. The other ACC game that they've played already this year is Georgia Tech. Haven't really touched a whole lot on that one with you. We certainly discussed that a lot on this show, how frustrating it was having a lead in the fourth quarter, not quite able to close it away. But uh, you think if Duke can kind of get back to that level of play, there might be a better chance for better outcomes going down the stretch. I think they catch Pitt in a bad spot because Pitt's coming off that loss and Pitt still has plenty to play for because the ACC Coastal is very up for grabs. Yeah. You could make a case that I think maybe as many as five teams could win it. I, I don't even think North Carolina is actually completely eliminated yet because they have some games, in particular a game against Pitt coming up. So Pitt has plenty of motivation. Uh Plenty of reason to play this game hard after losing last week. And, it, you know, it's a series that typically has been close, but it's also a, tier, a series that's typically expected to be close. This is the first time in series history that they, they've uh, that one of the teams has been installed as a double-digit favorite. And, in fact, you're getting pit by, uh, favored by, I think, almost three touchdowns. So it, it's, it's a tough spot for Duke to catch Pitt in. And we mentioned Kenny Pickett, 26 touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, he's He has a healthier offense than he did coming into last week. Last week there was questions about Israel Abanaconda, Pitt's leading rusher, and Jordan Addison, their top receiver. Well, they both played last week, so no question whether they're going to play this week. And I just think that Pitt's going to be plenty motivated. You know, I do think that Duke could have a better performance because I do think the offense plays better at home. Uh, they seem to be having it. We, we talked about this also previous to the season with me and Phil, where we thought road teams might really struggle this year because they had a whole year where they weren't having to deal with crowd noise <laughs> and having to go on silent counts. So some teams that aren't used to that, uh, I think it hurt them. And Duke has been in that boat. They, they've struggled on the road. They've lost all four road games, in fact. Uh, I don't 
I, I, th- I don't think they're going to win this game at home, but I, I do think they can have a better performance. Uh, I think they can put up some points and maybe make it a, a close game for a half, make Pitt a little nervous. I do think Kenny Pickett's going to be a little too much for him, though. Between Virginia Tech, Louisville, and then Miami, the last three games of the season, kind of break those down for us, Chris, and maybe rank them in terms of what would be the greatest chance of a victory for Duke and where they might struggle. Well, I think that their best chance will be, and unfortunately it's the game you catch on the road um, against Virginia Tech, because one, Braxton Burmeister is not healthy. Uh, he's not 100%. He's dealing with a throwing arm issue that uh, has limited his ability to throw downfield. Now, he did play better last week. Um, he, he threw for 254 yards against Georgia Tech, but uh, it was also helped by a very strong run game in, in that game. I think if Duke is going to have a chance in that game, they really have to limit Virginia Tech's run run game and make Burmeister have to throw the ball because I'm just not sure he can do it right now consistently. Um, other than that, you, you go you, – you get a home game against Louisville, and I think that's your next best shot because I, I don't love Louisville. Um, I do respect Malik Cunningham a lot, but I, I still think he's a little bit of a one-man band on offense. Uh, if you look at their numbers, he's their leading passer and leading receiver. I mean, leading court, leading passer and leading rusher. Uh, their top receiver has 377 yards. It's not a great Louisville passing game, and he's taking a lot of hits. And you're catching him, you know, the the games he plays right before they play Duke, at home against Clemson, at home against Syracuse. Um, both of those teams have pretty good defense. Syracuse is playing very good defense this year. And Clemson, we know what they can do defensively. The offensive struggles are obvious. But if you're if you're Duke, you're catching Malik Cunningham at the right time because he's taken a lot of hits this year with as much as he's running the ball, both uh, taking hits as a quarterback, you know, uh, when he's passing and as a rusher. He's leading the team in carries as well as rushing yards. So uh, he might be a little beat up by then. So that might also be a great chance to win. I think the Miami game is going to be a tough spot. Um, I just like how Miami's playing. If you really think about the Canes right now, they're they're a missed short field goal away from beating Virginia. Uh, they had North Carolina on the ropes, on the road. They were down three and uh, tried tried to go for the touchdown with seconds remaining and uh, had a tip pass intercepted, which, you know, if that doesn't happen, if that ball hits the ground, they probably end up settling for a field goal. And who knows what happens in overtime? Right. They could easily win that game. So they could be on a four-game winning streak. And if you think about the beginning of the season, Miami's two losses that really had people down on Miami were against Alabama and Michigan State. And now that loss to Michigan State doesn't look so bad since Michigan's a ten point. Michigan State's a, a top ten team, and uh, and is undefeated and just beat Michigan. So you know the the, the first two losses they had weren't bad, and the other two games uh, they lost they easily could have won. So I think this is a much better Miami team than their four and four record. Chris Van Dyne from Phil Steele Publications is joining us here on the program today, talking all things Duke football by the numbers. And that sort of thing. I mentioned numbers. You guys are so good at tracking those. And uh, that's what the magazine is made of, right? Numbers that you could kind of, uh, you know, bury how good these teams are, um, comparing them and that sort of thing. What numbers kind of stand out about this Duke team? Uh, The the defensive numbers, especially the pass defense, 295 passing yards uh, allowed. They're giving up 355 pass yards on the road. Um, And 
I think the most alarming thing is they're allowing 88 yards per game more than their opponents average. Wow. If you, if you go to philsteel.com uh, on our team pages, you can find that number. That's they're number 121 in the country in that stat. So uh, whatever their, their, their opponent is doing much better than their average offensive output against Duke. And, you know, that's the concern offense, not bad. They're averaging 21 yards per game more than their opponent allows on average. So I think that goes to the running game and, you know, the the offensive line has played well uh, blocking for Durant. And I think Durant's an exceptional runner. So uh, those are the numbers that really stand out to me. Um, I, I, I think that it's been a telling season though, and it's been tough on Duke when everybody else comes in experienced at the most important position and Duke doesn't have any experience at the most important position. So I, I think that's part of why, and I also think just, you know, there's a little bit of a talent discrepancy when it comes to the defensive players. And, uh, you know, Duke did have uh, some legitimate uh, concerns on the defensive line because they had to replace a couple really good defensive ends. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back at Better Than Ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports. Bet online where the game starts. No doubt about that. Now playing in the NFL. So uh, as we kind of talk about the ACC big picture here, uh, Duke not a factor. We knew that kind of going into the year. It would have been awesome for them to be more of a factor. But uh, you mentioned the Coastal Division, kind of how wide open it is. How do you think that ultimately plays out, Chris? Oh, man, you you could throw uh, like eight (laughs) teams in a hat right now (laughs) because There's so many teams that still have a chance in this thing. Uh, if if I had to give my honest assessment of how teams are playing right now, I know Pitt just lost a home game against Miami, but they were off a couple of big wins. I think Pitt is the best team in the co- in the coastal. So uh, and they catch North Carolina and Virginia at home, and those are the two games that are b- going to basically decide the coastal. If they can beat North Carolina and Virginia at home, and maybe not even they might not even need to beat North Carolina necessarily, but the Virginia game is probably their biggest game because Virginia it looks like is the, the their uh, top competition to win that division. Um, it could be interesting where it could come down to like a three way tie with North Carolina. I mean, with um, I could see a three way tie with Virginia, uh, Pitt, and Miami possibly which would be crazy. Yeah. Who knows? what? I don't even know what the tiebreaker scenario would be. So I'll go with Pitt right now. And in the Atlantic, I, I guess I have to go with NC State. I do think that Clemson still has a decent or, or decent shot to win this division. Um, but also Wake Forest, obviously, is in the mix. 8-0 right now. Um, I, I look at the game that's really going to decide it for uh, for. Wake Forest is the two-game stretch where they play home against NC State at Clemson. Um, I think they're going to lose one of those games for sure. I think that Clemson has a huge defensive edge against Wake Forest, and they've played in these big games before. 
Uh, NC State has a tiebreaker over Clemson because of the earlier uh, win they had this season. And it's it's just such a wild conference right now. Uh, if I had to make a prediction in, in the Atlantic, uh, I, I guess I'm going to go NC State because I think they'll get it done against Wake Forest, and uh, which then it might come down to can they beat North Carolina at home. Uh, just a lot of football to be played, a lot of ways this could, this could go. It We could have a lot of different matchups. I think the number one thing is Clemson might not win the Atlantic, but don't knock them out of it quite yet, you know, because they do still play Wake Forest and NC State still has some tough games left. But uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's why we'll keep watching these final four Saturdays of the season to see what can play out. Why has Clemson fallen off so much? Uh, it's clearly the offensive issues. I think that people had uh, unfair expectations from uh, DJ Uyunglele, but also he gave us some reasons to be to have those <laughs> expectations because he played so well last year right. in his two starts, especially against Notre Dame. So we didn't expect to see the pedestrian numbers, five touchdowns, six interceptions, 21 points per game from Clemson's offense. And I think the other thing that people uh, are starting to catch on to is the, the big weakness for Clemson uh, offensively for as long as Dabo's really been a head coach at Clemson is the offensive line play. They've never had stellar offensive linemen. They've had a couple guys get drafted. Uh, I don't think they've ever had a first round pick on the offensive line. Uh, unless I'm I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Jackson Carmen was drafted last year, but I, I don't think he was a first round pick. I'll actually tell you right now if he was. Uh, no, he went in the second round. So yeah, he has not had a first round pick in the offensive line. And before when they had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and Taj Boyd, that offensive line issue was masked by elite talent at quarterback and running back and receiver. But now they don't have the same level of play from those positions. So the offensive line is getting exposed a little bit and, you know, 151 rushing yards a game when your quarterback is not putting up great numbers is just not going to cut it. They really struggled to run the ball last year when they had Travis Etienne and, Tra and Trevor Lawrence. They only ran for 154. So I, I think the offensive line is their uh, their biggest concern. And uh, the defense is still there, so it's going to keep them in every game. But the offense, just they've got to figure something out. We knew more of the wide receivers coming back into the year for Clemson. They were more of a a well-known product and that sort of thing. But ETN now in the NFL, along with Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned the running game and the offensive line struggling. Have any running backs emerged from Clemson in your eyes in terms of like, okay, this could be one of the next guys? Might be a little early, but does anybody show promise in that running back I room? Absolutely, Will Shipley shows promise. Uh, he has, uh, I think, 391 right now. He's averaging almost five yards a carry. He did miss a couple games uh, with injury. But he's a true freshman, and he was one of the most talented freshmen coming into the season. Um, but I, I also don't think the offensive line plays great. So I think that he is that next big running back. Kobe Pace has been a decent running back. He is averaging 5.5 yards per carry, was leading the team coming into last week, but he had to miss uh, the last game with COVID. I, I think that he's more of a, a you know, not a dynamic running back that Clemson's had 
one of those guys that fills the gaps when you have that uh, that dynamic running back like Will Shipley, a good second guy. But you know, they're, they're running their running back room really did get depleted. Etienne left, and then Lin J. Dixon, who was their number two rusher just a couple of years ago, he ended up going out into the portal, and they had a couple other guys get hurt. So it's been, uh, and I, I think Michael Dukes also recently went in the portal, was a down the line guy. So they, they're really depleted in the running back position as well. Chris Van Dyne joining us here on the program from Phil Steele Publications. So great to have you back on the show. Uh, did it right before the season got going. But you mentioned philsteel.com. What can people find there these days? Uh, definitely check out philsteel.com. You can get Phil's picks on Inside the Press Box. He has a pick on every single game as well as his best bets. Uh, you can also check out our Phil Steel Plus subscription. It's like the insider portion of Phil Steel Plus, which uh, that includes Phil's team pages, which he uses to handicap and a lot of great information on those team pages. So you want to check that out on philsteel.com and check out Phil on YouTube. Uh, he has the Phil Steel Plus Tour, which you can also get linked on uh, philsteel.com. Phil Steel Plus Tour, he runs through handicapping some games, explains his process a lot, which is very interesting. And he'll show you exactly how he uses Phil Steel uh, plus the handicap games as well as give you some picks. And he's done very well in those picks this year. And you can also follow me on Chris at Chris V one sixty on, on Twitter. It's at Chris V one six zero. We'll check it out for sure. Chris, thank you for the time today. This has been great. Thank you, JJ. That is Chris Van Dyne from Phil steel publications joining us here on the program. Thanks again to Chris Van Dyne for joining us on the program today. He's so smart. Phil Steele, those guys do a great job covering the sport 365 days, and particularly in season when you're trying to know about where the Duke football team ranks. And, you know, he's talking about Duke has been a team that has 21 yards greater than opponents' defenses average. That's awesome. Like, that's so cool to break it down and kind of figure out where this team is. Quarterback play is something that has been better, but still plenty and plenty of room to go. I think he used the word pedestrian to describe Gunnar Holmberg's play so far this season. So, Thank you again to Chris for joining us on the program. Please follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And again, any questions you have, send them to us for the Mailbag Monday. Also, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. So grateful when you take the time to do that. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.